need to read. Handy pitchfork. We've got Armin exposed. Hello and good welcome. Hello and good welcome. Good welcome. Hello and good welcome, everybody, to the tenth episode of Exposed. Today I'm joined by Fira Styles, and we're going to be talking about stuff. Yes. That's what's on the agenda this evening. That's why we're here. So, just to start it all off, Furious Styles. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Uh, not a lot really. Um, so I was born in like Greater East London, mm-hmm. but most people play Essex. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Tilbury in Essex when I was very young. I studied graphic design at uni, which is also in Essex in Southend, which mm-hmm. is very close to, kind of close to Tilbury. Uh, graduated in 2014 and I kind of got involved with the scene, I guess, via my interest in dubstep and music artwork, uh-huh. obviously. My kind of in... I guess, if you wanted to know that. Yeah, uh, please do. You know, like when you get into genre music and you get into the bait shit. Mm-hmm. So I got into like the bait dubstep. Like, like what? Tear out shit. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then one of my friends showed me like some deeper stuff and then I just get digging and I was just like obsessed. And then I come on to like Temper, mm-hmm. you know, the label. And I love the artwork they did. And then I just pretty much just stalking Temper and emailing them, asking to like come in and do like days works and stuff. We're quite... On good terms now, like Stuart's the guy that runs or founded Give Up for Art, so chat to him quite a lot. And he lives in Essex now as well, actually, funny enough. And then he referred me to a job that he just couldn't do because I think the budget was too low mm-hmm. for a label called MFR Records, mm-hmm. which is run by the Mode FM family. Oh. So that was like my first client, and I was like 2012. Yeah. Uh, and then slowly but surely, I was ended up doing artwork for more people in the scene. I just did it for free. Yeah. So I just wanted to be involved. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like swapping dubs for artwork. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't... I don't produce. And that's quite a nice way. I think I was just a bit conscious of like, just being all take. Mm. You know? And then here I am really like five years in. How long have you been DJing? Uh, I guess like, professionally, quotation, about five years. Uh-huh. And then beyond professionally? I'd probably say maybe like seven to eight. My dad used to mix, mm-hmm. which I think we're going to get into a bit later. Yep. Hell yeah. Uh, and then him and mum used to, and they still play mixes. They used to have a f- house, like flat parties, where we used to live in London. And then they recorded the sets. Um, so they used to play them a lot in the house, very loud. And I think that's why I like dance music so much. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's why I'm just so obsessed with it. What kinds of parties would they throw? Would it just be them and their friends? Yeah, yeah, it'd be them and their like, music friends. So like, uh-huh. all of them are like DJs and that. So they'd yeah. all... Have, like even my mum would have a mix you know what I mean like they yeah. would and that's really nice I think uh, yeah uh, my dad tried to show me how to mix and stuff when I was like maybe like 14 mm-hmm. but I wasn't really that interested I was more interested in like Call of Duty and then I kind of got into like that's said I got into dubstep uh, and then I was watching these videos called Get Darker Mm-hmm. Get Dark is kind of like the boiler room for dubstep. Most of the Get Darkers you'll see are dubstep. They're like, they have people like, you know, like Koki on there or like Resetif's done one. I've done one as well, actually. Wow. Name drop. As an old, under an old name. Yeah, there's loads of people that have done them. And I just was watching it and I like, I want I wanted to start DJing this music. It just turned into like, like 90% of my brain, mm-hmm. really. And now let's talk about Furious Styles. Yeah. Uh, so, how long have you been working under that name? I guess like the the first appearance of it was through the Rinse residency mm-hmm. in June, 
but I, it's been kind of going on since about April. Yeah. Maybe March. So I used to DJ under a different name, which I'm sure will come up. I don't know why I'm not saying it. It's going to come up in like 20 minutes. Make sure that you stay tuned in <laughs> to find out who Furious Styles used to be. Um, and I just got like really bored of myself. So yeah, so it's been, it's been in the works. So it's only like six months old or something, yeah. seven months old. So it's still like a bit of a baby. Mm -hmm. um, but it's having rinse and stuff means that it's been, the trajectory has been quite high. In my, Before I got offered the rinse thing, I got, I had this idea in mind to do like, you know, like the Pure Garage CDs, mm -hmm. like mixed by EZ or whatever. So like, I'm quite obsessed with them. Uh, and I think that informs a lot of what I try and do when I play out or record sets or whatever. Like just like really technical or trying to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had this idea to do like the kind of music that I play under Furious Styles mixed with garage tracks. And I think that was just would have been a really interesting oh. sounding thing because I think there would have been a lot of maybe interesting parallels maybe yeah. to explore and I still want to do that project mm -hmm. so it's still on the still in the back of my head but because Rinse kind of got offered to me that's what the debut is kind yeah. of instead but yeah I want to do this like hard copy CD thing we're getting like exclusives of producers and doing like a versus garage thing mm. so that's 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 coming soon at some point yeah I don't know when but yeah that's that's still on the brain what inspired Furious Styles? I think it was kind of like being bored of the old alias and there was a lot of things about it that I didn't like. Like I got bored of my own mixing style and the stuff I was playing as well as like even like my own identity quotation like online and the way mm -hmm. I presented myself wasn't very true to actually who I am in real life. Like doing this kind of like flexing thing. I know we present different versions of ourselves online but I wanted to try and present a more honest and accurate representation. So a lot of the stuff on that, on the socials, is just music stuff, but mm -hmm. that's also a very big part of who I am. And like, I don't want it to be like a personality and also even with like the press shots and stuff, I didn't want to have these press shots where it's like, how cool can you make me look? And there's nothing wrong with those press shots yeah. that other DJs have because they look sick, but I don't, it's never about image for me and it never really has been. So like, why am I then, I then became about image, I think through doing that, the old thing. I don't know, mm -hmm. I felt like I did. Maybe it's a bit too self-aware, but yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it does. Yeah. I'm going to grab another Eminem. But I've become, yeah, and I was getting into this new style of music and I just wanted to start fresh. I didn't want to just keep going and also the name that I had didn't age very well. And it was related to a very specific style of music, which I didn't really champion that much anymore. So I still really love it, but there was so much more to me than just mm -hmm. for work, I felt. so. Yeah, I wanted to start fresh and I was watching this uh, film called Boys in the Hood, uh -huh. which is like a, kind of like a classic, I guess. It's got Ice Cube in it, I think. Yeah, I think it's got Ice Cube in it. Yeah, uh, it's about these guys that, I like, guess growing up in Compton, it's just fucking shit, but the dad of the main character is called Furious Styles. Oh. And I just thought, one, that's a really cool name, but also his dad is a lot like my dad in the sense of like, obviously I'm not saying I grew up in Compton, until reason that bad, <laughs> but you know, his relationship with his dad reminded me a lot of mine and my dad, so that's kind of partly why the name was chosen. It's a very cliche DJ name, so if you type it in on so SoundCloud, loads of, loads of guys oh, come up. And they're all like fucking scratch hip hop DJs, obviously. Uh... <laughs> and they'll have the fucking display picture of the actor that played Fear of Stars, who's, I've forgotten the name of, but he passed away recently. Um, but, rest in power. Yeah. How would you describe your sound? 
with now you're furious styles with uh, really clicky buzzwords that are subjective. Uh, but I always say the show is dedicated to the weirder and more experimental sides of dance music. Mm -hmm. So I guess anything that's a little bit odd, really. But also, I, I still play a bit of garage and even like a bit of dubstep and some older stuff on there. I think I've got like a bit of an ear for stuff that's a little bit strange in some way, mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, doesn't sound too wanky. Um, and I think obviously the the be on end or really tying everything together is obviously my taste, as with any radio show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with the guests and stuff, I'm I'm trying to promote those kind of people, but also within that promote marginalised people as well. Mm -hmm. Especially on rents, because I noticed that with with the, with the residency and stuff, there was a lot of diversity demographically, but within there wasn't really a lot of weirder shows and within those weirder shows there wasn't a lot of demographically diverse shows or even that many in general mm -hmm. so like there was a real gap there yeah. and for me anyway I think so I brought that to rinse and I think that's partly why they asked me to stay on mm -hmm. and keep keep going with them because there was a, a space to be filled which is really nice because I think sometimes you're doing this music stuff and you're like you know you don't have to think you have to fill a space up but I think you get your brain's like I'm not doing anything unique, you know, yeah. uh, and I don't think I am, but like, again, it's just nice to like, be like, oh yeah, like there's actually not a lot of shows that are doing that, and mm -hmm. yeah, like it happens to be that I'm showcasing that, so yeah, that's cool. The old thing was very about just the old thing, and not. I think I've supported people in it, but like, it was all about like, I'm the best DJ, like I'm good, and I'm not like that in real life, so I don't mm -hmm. really know why I was doing that with the A-list, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> um, but like with this one actually, like it's really nice to put people on that I rate. Because I rate those people before in it, but I just never put them on. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just sick to put them on, give them the support, and then they give use of the support back, like, and that's sick. Like, mm -hmm. it's a really nice feeling. And yeah, especially like when, when those people are, they happen to be like marginalised people who are normally like uh, shunned from like, you know, uh, rinse FM. Yeah, yeah, rinse, mm. and also like again, like playing vinyl and stuff like that's quite stereotypically like you're upholding like elitism and patriarchal mm -hmm. values by playing vinyl. But if I'm if I'm cutting people's stuff to dub or acetate or vinyl, I'm essentially hopefully like dismantling that. There's only a few DJs that I know of anyway that are like one on vinyl and two like cutting producers' music they rate to vinyl to play out in their sets, and most of those people happen to be white men that are cutting other white men's tunes, to my knowledge. And that's not a send for anyone, there's nothing wrong mm. with that. But like, I wanted to like, I just happen to be getting into this music and a lot of it is produced by marginalised people. That's just a, a nice thing that I kind of come to realise, being with Marnie, who's, who runs New Scenery as well, I'm mm -hmm. realising that actually it's really important to facilitate spaces for those people who are normally shunned, you know, by white men. I guess, maybe not intentionally, but, you know, accidentally or indirectly. Mm. I didn't realise, but, like, again, it's cut, cutting their stuff to acetate. It, it, you're, again, you're, like, dismantling that, hopefully. Hopefully dismantling that. So it costs you, like, 40 quid to cut one. And that's, like, that was probably, like, two tracks, maybe four tracks tops. So, like, me putting in that money to that track means that, one, I believe in it enough to cut it, and two, mm -hmm. like, I hopefully think it's cool for them because they're getting their... Someone's cut their stuff to vinyl to play mm -hmm. out. So I think something that we should remind the listeners at home about is that Furious Styles is like becoming an all vinyl 
project. Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to go to vinyl ever since I started. That's why I bought, I buy my music in lossless format. So mm -hmm. like I'll buy WAVs and AOFs or whatever mm -hmm. to my hard drives detriment. And the reason for that was because eventually I knew one day I would go to vinyl and I would probably want to start cutting stuff. So, you know, it was always the intention. Even before Fear of Stars, like when I was doing the old thing, like back in like 2012 or whatever, I was buying it in lossless. Because um, I wanted to make that move. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, one, I like owning stuff. I'm just a big hoarder. Mm -hmm. And also, like, I just think it's a bit weird to have my... My music collection is a hard drive. Mm. And, like, it's kind of weird to me. I'm like, I want to I wanna have it hard copy. I want to be able to look at it. And, like, as well, the nice thing about vinyl is, like, when you look at... I don't know. When I look at a vinyl that I own, I know exactly when I bought it, where I was at, like, sonically, like, even where I was in my life, not to be deep. Mm -hmm. But you don't get that digital music, I don't think. I don't anyway. So I think it's more about owning stuff, not owning vinyl. Like, mm -hmm. I just like owning shit, really. Yeah. That's kind of why the hard copy. Yeah. Um, and, and to play, vinyl's a bit more, it's very unforgiving, and it's a bit more of a challenge. And I think I got tired of my old thing because I wasn't challenging myself. Mm -hmm. And this was a new way for me to like, okay, I'm going to play this style of music I've never really played before. Also, I'm going to play it on vinyl. Like, fucking hell, like, just throw myself in the deep end. Yeah. And that's exciting, like, and I think you can tell from listening to the Rin shows that I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, and, like, I haven't really felt that way in a long time about mixing. When you're making a mix, can you talk us through, like, the process? I'd love to. <laughs> you have a very skillful and also artistic style of mixing and putting things together and making blends. That means a lot. So, I just want to hear about it. A blend connoisseur by oh. yourself. The blends are few and far between these days. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had any blends from you in a while, actually. No, to, uh... please, okay, call me out on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? This is Armin Exposed. <laughs> I'll hear a track and something in my brain's like, okay, you're going to start a mix with this track. Mm -hmm. And then something just clicks and I'm like, cool, right. And then I've got to find it's like perfect pair. Mm. And that's kind of how I do the mixes. So like every track is like a perfect pair to its predecessor. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't sound too, too wanky. Scientific. Yeah, yeah. And normally like with the first blend, like the first, so the first and the second tune, I try and create like a very specific mood. And it, it, it could be, doesn't really matter what the mood is, but it's something that's hopefully quite striking. And like, like I'm here, you know what I mean? Like here's this big blend, like mm -hmm. with these two tunes, like a big like star. I think that's really important. I think the first few mixes, First few tracks in a mix are probably the most important because mm -hmm. they're the ones that are going to get people off or on mm -hmm. the show or the dance floor. Mm -hmm. So you always start with like a big blend, like a bit of a like signature, like like a showstopper. Like, yeah, I was going to say showstopper. Yeah, and then again, every track after that has to be a perfect pair. And there's something in my brain where I'm like, okay, this track goes really well with this track. What mood does it create? And then I'm like, cool, I like the mood that it creates, so I'm going to keep going. And then... The only thing that's consistent, I think, is I'm always trying to increase the energy as the mix goes on. Mm -hmm. So I start at one point and just try and go up. And most of the time, that's I think I'm quite confident in saying that that's normally the case. The mixes are quite energetic and mm -hmm. fast, and the energy is always kind of on the up. Because you also you mix stuff in really good. Like you do lots of like little chopping and stuff. Yeah. And you mix really fast. Yeah. Like, is that something that your dad taught you how to do, uh, or think... is it just from listening to all of your CDs? 
I think it's a bit of both. Like I kind of always like a bit of rough and ready, mm-hmm. and I think that's quite an old school style of mixing, like bringing things in all the time. It's not a problem, but when I listen to a lot of mixes, I really want there to be a bit more flair, and I mm. don't really feel like there is a lot of flair. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong people. I probably am. And I think for me, it's like as someone that doesn't produce, I need to have something that sets me out because otherwise what am I doing mm. you know I'm just doing another mix but I want to make it a bit special I want to there's this word called uh, ornamentation which I learned recently mm-hmm. from my very intelligent partner <laughs> who also will not be named um, and it just means like the nice like little details and artifacts on something mm-hmm. and I think in my mixes there's always something going on and there's something quite unique to them there might be mm. like the way that something's mixed in or the timings of mix-ins and stuff. I think that's really gas. I might, maybe I'm just delusional. I mainly used to mix on CDJs, uh, and I felt like because they make it quite easy for you to get stuff locked in, ready to go quite quickly. Yeah. I was kind of just standing there, and I'm like, I'm not doing anything right mm-hmm. now. Well, what can I do to make this more interesting? Again, yeah. I think I'm mean, listening to like those kind of old school mixes where there's ornamentation, e.g., like those pure garage EZ mixes. Even though the tunes are really bait, each transition is different, and they're very skillful and like I really love that and I was just like I want to do shit like that because mm-hmm. that sounds fucking sick and it's just like you pick a certain pair of tunes and you mix them together in a certain way and only those two tunes can be mixed in that certain way and that's like it's like a one-off thing yeah, it's really yeah, special yeah. yeah you know it's like when you mix two tunes together and they go together really well you're mm-hmm. like fucking hell this is sick yeah you know and then and you try and do it again and you're like oh no actually I can never make this work yeah, the same perfect yeah, way ever yeah, again yeah definitely yeah that's, that's something that's I try not to do as when I, cause I, re- I do like planned mixes and stuff, obviously, and I'll record a draft and then I'll, I'll never try and do more than one final take. Because mm-hmm. even though, even when I was back to the draft, they'd be saying, I'm doing the draft that I'll never do in the final. And I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck, I wish I did that in the mm-hmm. final. But like, that's the beauty of it, right? You do have a label. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that? And I guess, do you have any plans to release any of this music that you're collecting? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm always looking for people to release. And I guess the start of that process actually begins with them sending me music and then me playing it. Yeah. And then me being into it generally. Kind of, I actually plug it quite early. I'm like, listen, like, I do have. I normally talk to them about, like, normally they're like, oh, here's some stuff I've got a release coming up soon. Yeah. And I'm like, well, cool, you know, like, also, I do have a label. And if, you know, you want, we can keep having a conversation about it. Just keep it in the back of your head, no mm-hmm. pressure. Sound like a weird businessman, but you know, just keep it in the back of your head. It's there, and mm. the idea of the label basically I kind of have to go back a little bit to answer those questions. On sorry about that. So, no, um, in like 2017, I was playing a lot of gom and like supporting a lot of gom, and I don't know if you know how you get a lot of gom, but basically the internet in South Africa is shit. So that's why they upload a lot of their music to these weird random websites mm. like Cassie MP3, which uh-huh. is K A S I M P three dot com, and there's a lot of gom on there that you can download. And the reason that they put Gone producers put their music on there is because one, it's accessible for them to do that, and two, that's how they share their music. Yeah. Not not just that website mainly, but that is a method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was being sent music from these tri- this trio called Illumination Boys, uh-huh. and it was just so good that I was like, I'm literally going to start a label to put this out because it's so good, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. Yeah. Um, so... The label's called High Energy, mm-hmm. that's H-I hyphen N-R-G. So yeah, I, I started the label just to release their stuff and I've kind of been slack with it the past two years. Mm-hmm. But now that I've got this new thing and I'm feeling quite fired up, yeah. I'm always kind of now like, got my ear out. I've got a release coming out with Daesa, 
are and that's coming out very soon. And uh -huh. they've been sending me stuff and it's been really good. Uh -huh. And I've been giving them a lot of support on rinse. So I'm gonna get them on rinse for twenty twenty and obviously then I don't know in what order but then release release the music hopefully before that point. Mm -hmm. So that's coming up soon. So we spoke the other day on the phone and we've got our track list in. Oh, and nice little business meeting. Yeah, I had a cute little phone call. So yeah, yeah, and then like I'm always looking for people. Like I said, that really starts from them sending me music in the first place. Mm -hmm. And again, that's kind of hopefully a way that I can give back to them because it's a small label. It's like a stepping stone. So hopefully, the plan is that any artist who releases on high energy will then be picked up by a bigger label down the line. That's the goal. Yeah. Because it's like you can start with us. I guess the aim of the alias and the label is to promote. The underground side of the underground. Um, and that's not like the criteria or the deal breaker, but it just happens to be that's what happened with Illumination. But it's like no yeah. one really knew about them apart from like a few people. So I was like, well, I'm going to get this out to I'm going to send this to Techie Latex, who's going to play on Rinse France, and Emma on MTS, and Tarkin on Rinse, or whoever on Rinse, yeah. you know, and Flora played it in a boiler room, mm -hmm. the release. And that's really nice. And that's like, that's getting the sound out and it's getting the music out. and and also, it's still a really, really, really good release, like, listening to Thank it you. now. I was yeah. listening to it the other day, even, and I was like, yeah, this is still fucking goes Yeah, off. yeah, it fucking bangs, like, and that's another thing, hopefully, it's, like, timeless. Yeah. And I, and I know that's part to say, and, again, the way that we consume music, but that's the goal, like, and I feel the same way about Dias's music, is that, actually, this is going to bang still in five years, and this would have banged if it was part of five years ago, and it's still bang now, you know what I mean? So I'd like to think that the stuff I've picked is, I've been very sparse with it on purpose, but also I've been sparse with it because I want to release music that I fully back and will back in 5, 10 years, 15 years time. I guess I kind of want it to be like the next Hyperdub or something. You wow, know? Yeah. big claim. Yeah. Watch this space. Are we ready now to talk about this elusive old project <laughs> of yours? Yeah. Um, so I used to DJ under DJ Sage Pay. <gasps> yeah, what a loser. <laughs> uh, people are going to stop listening now. I mean, I've kind of talked about why I wasn't into it, I guess, towards the end. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about, I think it. I think it's five years, I think it was five years in September. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe five years in August. Yeah. Uh, so I started in 2014 um, and I didn't really have a DJ name at the time and I really was into footwork at that time I just got into it so I was like I want to join Tech Life or whatever um, and then obviously there's DJ PayPal and DJ Mastercard and as the British I wanted to be the British alternate so I become up with DJs I think Gundam actually suggested that I pick DJ Sage Bay um, and I really liked the name it was kind of weird not too serious so I went with DJ Sage Bay and there is actually a really great story about this as well yeah. I mean like I that, the listeners have probably heard it before but also just in case, yeah. and I don't want this to take away from, you know, the meat of the no. episode. No, no, that's but... cool, it's a good story. Um, so when I dropped the first mix as DJ Sage Pay through uh, this guy called Grand Disciple, gave me my first like feature, which is very kind of him. So shout out Grand Disciple. I got like their emails, you know when on your LinkedIn you get emails when people view your profile, because mm -hmm. LinkedIn's fucking weird like that. I got their emails from LinkedIn saying that like Sage Security had viewed my profile and I was like, fuck, I'm going to get sued or some shit. Because <laughs> I'm an anxious boy, so I was just like, yo, my world's going to end. And then one of them hit me up, was like, I've seen your designer, I want to talk to you. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to see the bootleg logo that I did. <laughs> like, I did like a 3D render of their 2D logo and put my face in it. And I think I was holding money in the, <laughs> in the, in the image. 
with like a bucket hat on. Wow. And it was behind like, you know like the Photoshop background, it's like the grey and white checkered background. Yeah. It was a very internet piece of art, but it was like 2014. Oh my so gosh. So that, that, that style was popping. Yeah. I, I think I was actually one of the first people to do that, I'm not going to lie. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he kind of rang me up. Um, he just was like, it was really weird. He was really gassed and really happy to talk to me. He was asking me loads of questions about the logo, why did the, why did I pick Sage Pay? And he was like, um, yeah, like, do you want to come in for an interview? We're hiring a, a, a graphic designer. <laughs> so uh, next thing I know, I'm on the way to Angel, which is where, I don't know if they're still based there, but they Shout out to Sage, if they're yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah, shout out Sage. Yeah, because they're not called Sage Pay anymore. It's just Sage. Um, or I think it was called Sage and Sage Pay was like the, mm. the sect, the yeah. new branch or whatever. So I went to the Sage HQ and Angel, um, which is fucking surreal. And then I had the interview and stuff, showed him my work and he was really into it all. And then he, at the end of the interview, he was like, do you want to get a photo of me and the Sage <laughs> paper? And I was like, yeah, it's fucking lovely. But it, they took the photo, but I never got the photo. Oh. So, so I've never, I emailed him ages <laughs> after like, yo, like, I know I haven't got the job. That's fine. I just want the picture. Like, where is it? So maybe they just got me in for a novelty, but yeah. I don't know. But I made the company newsletter as well, so I got sent That's to me. That's really impressive. Was yeah. the photo not in the company newsletter? No, it's just the logo. Maybe the big boss like didn't feel confident with the way he looked mm. in those photos, so that's why he just deleted all of them. Yeah, maybe it's just fame. You know, it must be a powerful man. It's that never happened, but it's just a really crazy story. Yeah, maybe uh, like Ice Cube will hit you up. Yeah, with this. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Get some ice cube vocal drops. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That'd be gas. That would be really great. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a... that's your past life. Yeah. How would you say that like your sound, let's say first of all, is different from when you were working as DJ Sage Pay? Uh, I think the sound was very conscious to play before. I used to play a lot of release music and like old music, kind mm -hmm. of on purpose because one, I just used to love it, but I kind of was. I think in the digital age or the age, sorry, maybe the age that we consume, it's like, oh, this is out now and then that's it just mm. for that week, you know, and it's once the next release or into the next. And I think producers are kind of viewed as machines now because there's so much content coming out all the time. And I think that's a real shame because we also consume music like that. So we're like, this new dance track came out this week. I'm going to play it on my radio show. Yeah. Next week's radio show is going to be the dance track that came out next week. Mm. But there's never, like, in my opinion, there's not a lot of DJs that are really highlighting older stuff. And I really wanted to be like, actually, I can still play a banging set with this fucking Justin Timberlake track with whatever. Mm. Like, that come out in, like, 2012 or whatever. You know, and that was kind of like a statement that I tried to make. Especially as someone that didn't produce, so I didn't have my own dubs. And I got sent some through doing artwork for other people, yes. But, again, it was more about just being a sick DJ and, like, trying to be booked just for, like... Selection and skill, mm -hmm. um, and I think actually a lot, a little bit of that has actually carried on to Fear of Style. So like, I still play some old bits that I really like. I'm trying to, I'm integrating some of the old stuff into the new thing. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be very selective of what that is. I guess in terms of like sound, now I'm playing a lot more modern music, but also I've still got my brain set on like playing some odd stuff that I really like. Would you say that you have like a different mission or a different goal with Furious Styles? Yeah, definitely. Did? It's kind of like political now, mm -hmm. maybe like unintentionally. Um, so it's very different in that aspect. And also again, it's all about 
trying to be really heavy on supporting people that I like mm. with this one. Sage Player is very like, I guess like neoliberal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well DJing is neoliberal, right? It's yeah. kind of like, and actually another thing I want to talk about, I just want to plug, is the goal for Fear of Stars is to basically give back to the people that send me stuff or I'm supporting. So I'll, the goal really is to cut, cut your track. I get paid for the gig, I give you a share of the gig money. Mm. So producers are getting paid. Because producers send their tracks out all the time to people, they just get aired. But yeah. they're working, innit? So, like, why are they not being paid for their work? Yeah. I don't think a rinse rip. That's not enough. It's not enough. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really, I mean, yeah, it benefits them in terms of like clout, but what about actually like getting them some money? That's why no DJ's got any fucking, that's why no one in music's got any money, because no one mm. wants to pay for culture. Yeah. So, I want to. Give back to the people that are giving me their work. My housemate did a track for and I don't think he even got like a pair of trainers. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe, that's the real tea. Um, but yeah, again, like uh, that's very different. So I didn't really think about that with Sage Pay. Again, it's like the first thing I ever did. So like there wasn't things that I'd really thought about, like producers not getting paid and not being, not having their efforts or time or energy reciprocated enough by DJs that played their music because mm -hmm. yeah playing the track's cool but like I sent like the, the honest goal for me is to like not only cut it, play it but also get the book in if I play that track in the book in then I'll give you a split or like I'll try and work out in a way where everyone who's mon whose track I've cut you'll get some money and it might mm -hmm. not be loads of money but it's more than what any DJ's doing that yeah. I know of anyway and like there's a lot of DJs that are earning hundreds and hundreds of pounds to get booked and where do you think that money's going? It's going into their pocket. Yeah. It's not going into any of the producers that send them tracks. Yeah. You know? Watch this space 2020. Yeah, yeah. Running for DJ president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, again, like, and that's only come out of being very selfish, of realising that actually what I did was quite selfish at yeah. one point. And mm. I'm not a selfish person, but it just happened to be what I was doing with this is, mm. is selfish. If I can, hopefully people will follow suit. I'm not mm -hmm. saying everyone should, because again, it's, you know, I don't know, you'll not be able to, you'll not be able to do that financially, because um, I'm, I'm working it, so that's how I can kind of be like, I don't need this fee, but again, that's what you're saying about not trying to make it a career, which yeah. I think is a, it's not a good or a bad thing, I think it's just something that should be thought about, I think mm. taking the pressure off yourself is very important when it comes to being like creative. So, I mean, everything that you were talking about just now is pretty radical in terms of, you know, redistributing gig fees and compensating producers accordingly. Have you had these kinds of conversations with other DJs or producers or is it just things that you're thinking about? I spoke to Marnie about it a lot. Like, she's been very supportive of everything I do. It's just really important, I guess. Um, and also, like, my housemates, they're quite lefty, like, socialist mm -hmm. people, but, like, really, like, it hasn't really come from them. I think it's just, I think the part, the main part of it is about being a freelance designer for the most part and not being compensated. Yeah. Of being treated, like, being treated with respect. Uh, so I've had lots of people, like, not pay me enough, not pay me, be fucking rude, disrespectful, ask for too much, you know, like, and I think that, that's kind of where it comes from, my sympathy for producers kind of mm. comes from, I think, mainly. I guess seeing, like, 
the things that you hate about being a freelance designer mirrored in music learning about like friends interactions with underground music people and like them only really being interested in those people with cultural capital yeah so brands can't emulate coolness but mm. they can do that via getting cool people to do their branding for them that's why you will see xyz dj playing for dr martins or playing yeah. for nike or i'm not friends with any djs that i've played for those brands in particular but they are only interested in you for your cultural capital mm. and you know that's another thing it's like that's not really fair mm -hmm. like you know this is people's lives and dreams like it's not something that should be fetishized because you think it's will help you sell more trainers mm. or because it will help you make more money and I think that's part of it as well just being a bit angry I'm a bit yeah. fiery as a freelance designer yeah as some people might know um, oh. <laughs> you've got a reputation <laughs> I don't I think I'm just a bit of a loose cannon and I'm just a bit like I just don't take any shit because I've done shit work and like I'm a bit tired now so I'm just a bit like heated I think mm -hmm. I'm always respectful and like but I'm just not afraid to speak my mind and be like look I think you're taking the piss yeah. You know, not like that, but I'll just be like, look, this is what you've asked for. I this guess is... as well, you do enough You do enough work that you're able to just turn around to someone and be like, nah, like, I've been here too long. Yeah, I've been like... doing this for, I've been freelancing for, like, seven years now. So, like, I think the, the I guess, quotation radicalness comes from, like, just being a bit fiery about being mistreated as an actual artist. Because yeah. being an artist, designing and being an artist in music, they are different, I guess, but... In terms of like interactions I have with clients and stuff, probably not that different. Mm. Principles still there, right? Yeah, I think it's really important to have friends that aren't involved in music. Just mm. I don't know to stop you from totally losing your mind and to give you like a sense of the outside world. But also, I think it's really important to have friends like within the scene so that you can complain about. So you can start like piecing together. Like there are so many people that I just thought like I was being a bitch for not liking them, and then you talk to other people and you're like, oh yeah, like is just an absolute cunt like just going on the podcast no i'll be fit out i'll be fit out there is a lot of complacency in the scene in my opinion yeah and i've been made to feel a way about not being complacent well, i try my best not to be complacent and i've been made to feel a way about that by some individuals who I happen to be white men of course mm, yeah um but fuck them like uh they're twats I think that's another reason as well about supporting marginalised people is because they are shunned. They're shunned by people that, not my people, but like people of my demographic and yeah. like actually no, they are, everyone's welcome and like it doesn't really matter about who you are, what you look like, it's, you know, if you're a nice person and you make good music, then you should be supported. So now I would like to move on to talking about the past. And something that I just am so excited to talk to you about on the record is Essex. I just would like to hear how you would say it's like shaped your approach, shaped the kind of music that you like, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, well, actually, like Essex is not a cultural hub. It's kind of why I like I did loads of artwork for free and stuff just to get around and kind of make friends with yeah. people and be involved because this thing just took over my life and I was just obsessed mm -hmm. and I just couldn't like back away. Yeah. It informed me because there was nothing there for me to utilise or access so I just kind of used the internet to get about really. Mm -hmm. And even now like everything's 
done online, like I get sent tunes online, very ready, do I meet people in the club or whatever. You, you strike me as someone who's very proud. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I think it's <clears> like, uh, basically when you grow up in a town like Tilbury, people stay in Tilbury mm-hmm. and they don't leave Tilbury. And like, I was like, yeah, like I'm from Tilbury, from this nowhere town, and I've made a bit of a name for myself in the music scene. That's fucking sick. Because mm-hmm. kids from Tilbury, they don't have those aspirations or goals. I'm not saying I had those aspirations or goals either. I didn't when I was growing up. And that's fucking cool. Like, you don't have to be born into cultural hubs like London. Yeah. To make a, make a name for yourself. Not that, that was the goal, but you know what I mean? To be recognised and do good work and do your thing. Like, it doesn't matter where you're from. And mm-hmm. I think it's more of a working class pride thing. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm proud actually of what I've done. I've played abroad and like... I've released other people's music from outside the world and like now trying to do good in different ways. Were your parents still able to put on their parties when they moved to Tilbury? No. Did that stop? No, it did stop, yeah. Well, I think towards the end of their moving out, they, I think they fell out with some of them and stuff and like just lost contact over mm-hmm. time, moving cities and stuff, mm-hmm. like life, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so they don't, they don't really have that anymore, which mm-hmm. is a bit sad because I'd like to see all those guys again. Yeah. I mean, we saw them all, like, like within the last, like, ten years, but that's too long. Mm-hmm. I'm going to a thing in late November where it's, like, one of my dad's friends who used to run a night with DJs as well, mm-hmm. and he's putting on, like, a night, and I'm going to go, and my dad's going to go, and I think a few other DJ people are going to go. That's going to be, like, <laughs> my dad's going to be, like, look at my son. He's a DJ as well. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, I love so, that. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. We had to hang out a couple months ago, and it was really cute. I don't know. Yeah, I just think that's really sick. It's like a generation yeah. thing, isn't it? Mm. When I saw them a couple of times ago, like one of them was like, you should DJ full time, you're sick. Aww. And I was like, yeah, my friends aren't really into it because I was just like still in Essex at this uh-huh. time. I didn't really know. And he was like, fuck your friends. Like, you're, you're, you're good at whatever. And I was like, yeah, sick, man. Like, it's like, and that's really cool. Like, it's just sick to get props from like, I don't People know. People that have been through it. More yeah, yeah. You. Just been doing it mm. for a while and like, that's cool. This brings me nicely onto the next question, which is just about your dad. And I guess actually your mum as well is a DJ. Yeah. Yeah, she knows how to mix. She made a mix. Well, I mean, I guess really like it's mainly my dad because they'd have a mix at home or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I'd like come downstairs and we'd all have a mix together. Um, But again, like because my dad used to mix. And as I said, this guy that we're hanging out with, he used to run a night with my dad. And I think this third person is going as well. So they all DJ together, like house, garage, like 90s, because my dad's, mm-hmm. my mom and dad are really young, they're like in their mid 40s. Mm-hmm. The kind of styles of music is like hardcore, jungle, garage, house, mm-hmm. even a little bit of grime, mm-hmm. like early stuff, like early mm-hmm. grime stuff. I'm quite spoilt in that sense, I've got quite cool parents mm-hmm. with like cool taste or whatever. Yeah, I've had a mix of my mom and dad in a while, but yeah, sometimes we do that and that's mm-hmm. really cute. Are you keeping them up to date with the kind of music that you're listening to now? Well, I mean, it's funny because my dad used to listen to a lot of the Sage Pace stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more accessible for him. Mm. But like the, I don't know if he's really listened to the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I've definitely linked it to him. But again, it's probably a bit weird for him. Mm-hmm. But like, I want them to keep listening to it because you know, there might be something that they like that they like, right? But yeah, yeah. I think I think they because as well, like I said, because Sage Pace to be like play a lot of older stuff, and some of that comes from being informed by my parents of mm-hmm. those things so that's probably why they liked it mm. because I'm playing like this garage or this house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess also now that you started playing more vinyl 
Are you finding yourself dipping into your parents' collection? Well, my dad's being fucking tight and not giving me any of his records. <laughs> my dad's got thousands of dance records under the stairs, doesn't use any of them, and he won't give them to me. Okay. So I'm going to have to kill him. When is your dad going to do a mix for the Yeah, I actually, get, I actually get one, shouldn't I? I might air an old one when he was in his prime. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, because really, all the mixes are great. Like, selection's great, mixing's really good. And it's really like it's funny actually we have quite a similar mix in style and that was kind of accidental. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we were like telepathically linked or anything, <laughs> but like it was just it was just funny how the style and the speed of mixing is quite similar. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just in my blood. Maybe it's in the water. Tilbury water. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Shout out Tilbury water. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now I would like to just talk about like your early memories of music. So like growing up in your house with your DJ parents, your cool parents, being at school and the kinds of music that you heard around you there. What kind of thing were you raised on? Uh, I think, again, I was raised on like that 90s sound. So mm -hmm. like, again, like those kind of mixes of like Garage House Hardcore. Also the Buster Rhymes album called Turn It Up, The Very Best, mm -hmm. uh, which was all like Buster Rhymes bangers. Also, if you know DJ Sage Bay, you know the Buster Koki blend. Yeah, a classic. Classic. A real classic. Yeah, Stephen Armani said towards the end, like when they used to hear it, it was just like saying, we've heard this so many times. <laughs> uh, which is true, but it still bangs. I should do like a modern version of it, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should. Yeah, I should try and find one. Yeah, uh, that and there's also a mix by Moving Shadow and it's called MS.001 and the artwork's like a white artwork with like weird black things on it and it was like a mix of like, again, that, that kind of 90s stuff and... I used to rinse those CDs. And yeah, my mother just listened to like 90s hip hop and R&B. What else did they like? Yeah, yeah, like even like a bit of soul, like Jill Scott, like Lauren Hill. I don't know if you'd call it soul, but college I went to dubstep and all me and my friends all liked Tear Out Dubstep. And, and how, did you get into, how did you get into dubstep? Can you even remember? Mm, or was it just something culturally that happened? I think it was, uh, I guess I'd say it was cultural. So I think, I think I just, I think some friends showed me some stuff and yeah, so I was at college, and my friends used to listen to like UKF. Do you remember that uh, YouTube channel? Oh my god! The blue speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, I think he showed me some bits, and I really got into like. Do you remember Bar Nine? No, bar Nine, like they like tear out of stuff. There's a track called "Strung Up" by Bar Nine. I used to rinse it all the time. It was like some classical violin for like a minute, and then there'd be like loads of dirty oh, wobs. I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. I listened to it yesterday actually when I was looking at the questions. Oh. Uh, and also, I remember buying the Ministry of Sound Generation Dubstep compilation, and that was the first dubstep album that I bought. And mm -hmm. it had a track on it called Broken String by Tech One, and it had like a Jay Z sample in it. And it was like, again, like really mid range tear up. And mm -hmm. I used to rinse that as well on my phone. And like, yeah, I just got into like dubstep, and then I got into like deeper stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Swamp came, like Swamp 81. Mm -hmm. And then I got into Footwork, so I got kind of bored of Swamp. Mm -hmm. I just heard, uh, you know, Double Cup, um, DJ Rashad's first album. Mm -hmm track and they could show you how I just came across it on Boomcat and I was just like what the fuck is this this mm -hmm. is sick and then I just was like I love Chicago for work and then I became Sage Pay and wore yeah. a tech club t-shirt everywhere and I think I still do wear tech club t-shirts everywhere yeah I so. feel like I've only ever seen you in a tech life t-shirt yeah yeah I think that's uh it's getting a bit small now Aww. but yeah, I know. I need to get some made. You can do a custom one. Yeah, I should have Ashes 57 and see if they'd do me like a, mm. a legendary one. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's yeah. an honorary member. Yeah, I got unofficially knighted into Tech Life by um, Jackie Dagger and Felonisi because we played together in Serbia. 
So, unofficial member. Mm. That's my name drop. Would you say that footwork was like the first style of dance music that like really, really, really got you interested in mixing and playing out? I think it definitely informed part of the mixing style that I had as like Sage Pay, which was kind of like I'd listen to those guys and they'd, you know, like when people do spin backs, they do a spin back before like the drop of the next yeah. track, but they kind of spun them out randomly and that was quite interesting to me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So again, it was kind of like I'd spin it out like halfway through a bar and then maybe start the track again, you know, like, and that was the style of mixing that I'd heard from like Rashad and stuff where mm-hmm. he'd like cut the track out and then scratch it in from the beginning again mm-hmm. and that was quite interesting i can do it on cbj's but like that was kind of informed djing in a bit of a weirder way i yeah. think dubstep was definitely the first style that got me into djing but like i think listening to footwork really changed the way that i started to mix stuff because mm-hmm. you mix footwork very differently to how you mix i was mixing a lot of like 140 stuff at yeah. the time and i think that kind of started to open up like okay i'm gonna start playing different styles of music actually all together at the same time and that's that's a really fun way to learn because each again each genre of music kind of is treated a different way i think that kind of opened up the box yeah opened up the world i guess yeah that's not too cheesy no i mean like footwork is really great for that because it references so many different styles of music Mm. like almost encourages you to like seek out these different sounds and these different reference points and then you just find yourself playing all kinds of stuff yeah. whereas back in the most wobby days of commercial dubstep it mm. was only kind of referencing itself Speeches. at a point yeah definitely i think as well like the nice thing about footwork compared to other genres is there's no like holy grail of sampling so footwork will sample the world's longest cry yeah eg by the track on the dj rashad ep which fucking bangs it's called uh i think it's called everybody mm-hmm. which is like one of my favorite Rashad tracks and it samples that cry Mm-hmm. over the melody you know what I mean mm. yeah uh, and it's also sampled like the Harlem Shake you've heard it sampling grime tracks like the Wiley SQ clicks or whatever and it's also sampled old soul and new hip hop so yeah, there's not really a lot of genres there's not actually any genre that I can think of in electronic dance music that single-handedly does that so freely and openly shout out for work yeah, yeah. you really you really did that and mm. do that yeah, yeah, I remember when people used to ask me what music I liked, and I'd just be like, just music without words in. <laughs> or music that sounds like lasers, was what I would say, because I just... Because, like, you don't want to be like, oh, like, trying to describe this, like... I think it's a bit pretentious in it, if you're like, oh, like, you won't know it, like, it's kind of weird. Mm. Like, you won't like it. Yeah. It kind of sets this, like, pretentious air. Mm-hmm. So I just used to say, like, jokingly, like, oh, yeah, just music without words in, really. Music that sounds like lasers. Yeah, because you say dance music... And people think that you mean like euphoric or yeah, like, like Ibiza. Ibiza house. Yeah. I normally just say no. I'm just like, you gotta hear it, really. Yeah. And then if they want to ask more questions, then I let them. When you were working in an office and people asked you what you DJ'd, what would you say? Uh, I would literally say, this sounds really wanky, but I play underground electronic club music. <laughs> and what and would they, they say to that? They'd go, cool. I said, I can send you some stuff if you want, and they'll go, yeah. <laughs> and I'll send them some stuff and I'll never hear from them, which is fine. Mm, I'm just yeah. reckoning up the SoundCloud place. Some people listened, I think, but no, I don't know. Again, it's pretentious of me to expect they won't like it, I won't be into it, right? Kind of. But you're not going to expect yeah. that from, like, a guy called Woody who's, like, 40. Maybe he might love it. Maybe. I did We're show... going to be 40 one day. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so... <laughs> 
Uh, thank you so much for joining me thanks today for, for an episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me and thanks for listening to me ramble for no, an hour. No, thank you for being the inspiration for me to replace the light bulb in this living room. Where can listeners find you on the internet? So I've got soundcloud.com forward slash furious underscore styles underscore rm18. Yeah. And rm18 is my Tilbury postcode. That's where that comes oh. from. Uh, so Twitter's twitter.com forward slash fury styles underscore rm18. Mm-hmm. Instagram is instagram.com forward slash underscore underscore furious dot styles. Mm-hmm. Email furious.styles at yandex.com. Yep. Uh, so that's where you can find me online. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything coming up that we should keep our eyes and our ears out for? Uh, just the red shows. So, yeah, if you listen to this and you make weird music, then get in touch. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can get you on rinse. But if I can't get you on rinse, I might have to put you on someone that is more relevant to mm-hmm. you. That's one thing that I'm really trying to do as well. If someone sends me stuff, I make sure I can refer them. Nice. And the next show comes out well soon, yes. but the date as of recording is TBC. Yeah, to be confirmed. It's going to so. be November, but I'm not sure when. Watch this space. Yeah, mm-hmm. watch this space. What can we expect from you in uh, 2020? It's uh, coming close to the end of the year. So I have this goal that I'd really like to get to. So quite a cliche reference, but there's a video called The Exhibitionist mm-hmm. by Jeff Mills mm. and he basically plays like three decks quite seamlessly in like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just does it whole thing very fast. That's kind of where I want to get to. Yeah. And I want to do it on like, I don't know if I video it myself or it, I end up getting a booking where that happens and just fucking being really good. And uh, yeah, some more releases, kind more mm-hmm. stuff to play, you know, yeah. Nice. Speaking of cutting stuff to play, who? Who? Would you like to give oh shout outs to like people that send you music? Yeah. People that you think are really great, sure. people that you think we should listen to. Yeah, I mean I guess anyone's tracks that I played on the wrench, obviously. I'm gonna try and name as many as I can Go for head. it. There's Guy Ruin, Hard Fantasy, there's Jasper Jarvis, there's Clear Body, uh, Alfred English, Medjilasa, uh, Jenny Wharton Pound Shop, Assault Pillar, Bad Slime over in Vancouver, Portland, shout out Vanja. Yeah, there's there's so many like I guess everyone that's everyone that's been I've tied to via been tied to via rents. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those people and like I don't know maybe I can provide you a long list when it goes online that might be more helpful for people. Oh yeah, that would be a search. nice idea as well, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I can do that. There's been loads of stuff that I've been sent and loads of people that I've got scheduled for coming up shows and 2020. Would you like to talk us through? what you have planned with the mix that you're preparing? Yeah, sure. So I believe that you're giving me your records. My entire record collection. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't actually know what any of them are, and I'm going to try and do a mix out of them all. Oh, my God. Well, see if you can make it work. I mean, you're a really, really, really fucking good DJ if you oh, can thanks. make something work out of this collection. Maybe I can do, like, every other track, your collection, every other track, my collection. Mm, That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Classic, yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I think that's good. I think that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. I don't actually know. I've no idea what you have, so I'm very excited for the challenge. Yeah, so I have... um... Don't tell me right now. Okay, I won't tell you right now. Actually, no, you could I can tell you off air. Yeah. Although I did very recently, inspired by Hannah Boosterhooch, go to DNR Croydon. Nice. DNR Bangs. It really, really is so good. We were only there for about half an hour. I've never been there. Oh. I've all those records online, but I just haven't been there. 
Let's go to Croydon one day. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Okay. So anyone else who wants to come to Croydon with us, just <laughs> send me an email or we'll go crazy Twitter again. message. Yeah, like, yeah. come and join in on the day. We can eat at one of Croydon's finest eateries and then yeah. spend money. Yeah. So, yes. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I didn't, I didn't. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye.
the clock tick faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I C E cold, nice to be old. Y two G D twice to threefold. He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever, like the greatest story told. Keep your glory, gold and glitter. For half, half of his niggas to take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to. Feeling a mixture between both with a twist of liquor, chasing with more beer. Tasting like truth for dear when he at the mic, it's like the place get like, oh yeah. It's like they know what's about to happen. Just keep your eye out like I, I capping. Is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody can hear it? And can they testify from in the spirit? And living the true gods, giving y'all nothing but the lick like two broads. Got more lyrics than the church, got ooh lords. And he hold the mic in your attention like two swords. Or either one with two blades on it. Hey, you, don't touch the mic like it's AIDS on it. It's like the end to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he bring his own needles. And get more cheese than Doritos, Cheetos, or Fritos. Slip like Freudian, your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion. Cats like why hoes need Protex Exercise index won't need bone flex I'm gonna take the woman with skinny legs like Joe Tess Last 
Check, 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 check